Hey, y'all, what's happening? It's me, Obes. And I'm your co-host, Chai Wambara. And here we are, back again, with the first ever episode of Run the Play. Yes, this is the Run the Play podcast, where we talk about sports, sports, and more sports. Typically, right. you know what I'm saying, football and basketball season, college football, maybe some NFL football, who knows. Um, and then uh, college basketball, NBA basketball, and then whatever happens in between that we feel like talking about. Yes, sir. So, uh... If you listen to the Chicken Social, this is yet another one of those shows on the Ten Clock Podcast Network. Uh, more shows soon to come. You know, from 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 the beautiful people that brought you the Chicken Social and uh, YFFIT, your favorite film is trash. This is Run the Play. Cha, what do we have first? So first up, let's talk about uh, this past weekend in college football. Week zero, as they calling it now, um, Miami and Florida played. Uh, what were your takeaways? What did you think of that hot mess of a game? So the first thing I can't figure out is why um, Dan Mullen, the head coach of Florida, insists on playing the third best quarterback on his roster. So Felipe Franks, if you if you didn't see the game, there was one sequence that really stands out to me. So he had, I think he had just thrown a touchdown pass. And he's on the sideline, and he's like, you know, talking shit to the camera. He's like, I do this. I do this. So stop playing with me. I do this, right? <laughs> I remember that. And then on the very next series, he throws what should have been, what could have been and honestly should have been, a game-sealing interception. This is like one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen somebody throw. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's like the end of the fourth quarter. They're up 24-20. They really needed to be running the ball. There was no reason for them to be passing at all, especially when they had Felipe Franks out there at quarterback. And, <laughs> and yet, Dan Mullen decides he's going to roll the dice and put the ball in Felipe Franks' hands. And my man just serves up the worst interception you ever did see. Now, luckily for him, yeah. Miami's true freshman quarterback... Uh, struggled just, just, to, to put it to put it lightly. He he was he was bad. So it's interesting that I saw in Miami's quarterback, um, dude's name is uh, Jaron Williams, who yes. I, guess, I guess the big story was that he beat out uh, Tate Martell. He was supposed to be Tathan. the dude. Ta- yes, he beat out Tathan. His name is Tathan. Yeah, his name his full name is Tathan. Okay, well he ain't he ain't playing. So, um. They but, got him at receiver now. Oh, is that did did he play? I didn't see. I don't know if he played. I didn't see him, or I didn't recognize him if he did play. But I um, think he played. But I mean, he didn't. I mean, he didn't make any like big plays or anything. Okay. Well, what what I did see in Jaron Williams, I did see potential. Like I saw like some escapability. I saw like some decent arm strength. What I didn't see was you know like precision. Like I felt like um, he. It was also like. It's not just precision, but it was also like pass selection. Like I felt like he needed to figure out like which ball to like delivers. Like sometimes you know it needs to be like a, a bullet. Sometimes it needs to just be like a floater. Some you know. So I didn't I didn't see him like quite get that grasp. I didn't see him you know get rid of the ball on time at times. Like you know some sacks that he took that he didn't need to take. Uh, he refused to throw the ball <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. That was like, the I'm weirdest like, thing. I'm like, watch him like throw the ball yeah, away. Matter of fact, in my notes, I have it. It says, "Throw away the ball, young bull." Like that's that's literally <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, he refused yeah. to do it. She like, was, at, she was crazy. At the end of the day, like what I chalked it up to was like he wasn't ready for prime time. You know, like young young quarterback. I see potential. I see what the coaches can do with him, but I think he needs more help from his coaches. Um, I did like how they were doing quick game with him because you know it's a it's a um, superior talent with the Florida defense and everything. So you want to get the ball out quick, which is actually a theme that you'll see. Um, as you'll see this past uh, weekend in college football, like um, the underdogs doing a lot of quick game against a superior defense. Um, and it's effective if you if you stick to it. I don't know why teams keep moving away from it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I thought Jaron Williams did not have a very good game, but I do think I did see potential in him. So I remember I watched Miami last year when they had what appears to be the backup quarterback as the starter. He was a retro freshman last year. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, this guy is not great, but I think they can build on it. I, I feel like I saw more potential on the backup than I saw with Jaron Williams in mm. game one. Interesting. Now, there's, I mean, it's a long season. Um, he did make some good throws, but like mm-hmm. there was never any throw that he made So I'm about to make a very unfair comparison. So know that before (laughs) I make it. Okay. When when you when you watch Trevor Lawrence last year as a true freshman, anytime he made a throw, you're like, yeah, that's he he meant that throw, right? Mm -hmm. Like anytime he let go of the ball, I was like, oh, that's that guy's the guy's either open or he's making a throw where only his receiver can make a play. Mm-hmm. Anytime Jaron Williams made a throw against Florida, I was like, mm, "This might be good." <laughs> well, that, well, that, well, that was my whole point because, like, because Jaron Williams is like not an elite quarterback the way um, the way Trevor Lawrence is. So Trevor Lawrence, you can kind of just throw him out there and he'll make magic happen. With Jaron Williams, yes. I feel like you need to do more scheming around him. Like you, you can't just like leave him up to his own devices. I feel like he has. Um, specific talents that you just need to um take advantage of. You need to use to your best ability. And so to me, I feel like the coaches failed him more than anything else against Florida. I didn't think they gave. I didn't think they gave him everything they needed that he needed to uh, be successful in that game. And mi- mi- mixed with him making mista- his own mistakes, but I think most overall, I think they could have put him in better situations. I think they needed to scheme those receivers open. I didn't think those Florida like the Florida secondary was like. And he, like, was great at all. Like, I thought, I actually think a better team will expose that secondary, honestly. But, um, I saw, honestly, I didn't think the coaches um, schemed those receivers open. I would agree with that. And, yeah, like, I felt like Miami should have won that game. Like I, yeah. And, honestly, the reason I thought that was 100% because Felipe Franks is terrible. Yeah, I think if so they would have played uh, either their two backup quarterbacks, they would have been in a better position to run away with that game. Because Miami gave them all kinds of chances to run away with it, and they couldn't take advantage. So I think if Dan Mullen wants to be the most successful he can be, he will uh, play one of those other two quarterbacks instead. (laughs) Yo, did you see that dude DJ Dallas for uh, Miami, though? That running back. I did. He's he's pretty good. He's he's nice. I I, I thought he was nice. I'm I'm excited to see what he does uh, in the coming weeks. So, next game. Yes. Georgia Tech at number one Clemson. Okay, so this was very interesting to me. Okay. So it was sort of like a tale of two offensive superstars for Clemson. So coming to the game, I expected to see Trevor Lawrence just ball out because he he had 32 touchdowns, four picks last year. He looked incredible, right? He looked like 
you know, people were talking about, oh, he's better than Deshaun Watson at the same stage. I was like, I don't know about all that, right? Deshaun tore his ACL. And he came back and won the bowl game on a torn ACL, which I wish he would not have done that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but it just shows you the type of ability that Deshaun had at that age. That on a torn ACL, he was still like a top 10 quarterback in college football as a true freshman. He was incredible. Like Dabo Sweeney called Deshaun Watson, Michael Jordan coming out of Clemson. And so far, he's shown to be basically every bit of that, even in, even in Bill O'Brien's shitty offense in the NFL. But I digress. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence looked amazing to the point that people were like, it wasn't outlandish to compare him to Deshaun Watson as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. And Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in Clemson history. So I expected to see progression in game one for Clemson. Um, Trevor Lawrence did not have a great game. He was, I think he, he completed 13 of 23 passes. He had two picks. Now, one of those two picks was like basically a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Oh, yeah. I don't really, I don't really mm -hmm. count that. But the other pick was just a horrible pass, horrible decision. It was a good play by the, by the DB, but it was it was a ball that should not have been thrown. Like it's a ball that if you threw that pick in high school, your coach would shoot you out. For, so for somebody of his caliber to throw, it's like what are you, what's happening? Why why is he not as focused on this game as he should be? Right? Maybe he's looking for, maybe he's looking ahead to uh, this weekend's game against A and M. But he did not play great. But he didn't need to play great. Mm -hmm. Why? Because my man Travis Etienne had 200-plus yards on 12 carries. I'm going to say that yeah. again. 200-plus yards on 12 carries, including a 90-yard touchdown run, the third longest touchdown run in Clemson see, history. This, he, he, this man got I'm the ball and was just gone. Here's where I'm going to get on you for that, though. Because that hole he ran through was quite large on that 90-plus yard run. It was great. It was like the offensive line for Clemson is so damn good. Like, I don't think I saw, like, I maybe saw, like, a two mistakes the whole game. Like, they they would, like, get into the second and third level with ease. With yeah. ease. Like, that blocking is so – so, for me, it's like the man – the man um, ETN is, is – uh, he got a lot of skill. I don't think I've – my whole thing is I haven't because the offensive line is so good, I can't really make a decision whether it's just because the O line is really good or if it's just a mix that he's that he's really good and the O line is really good and then that just makes him great. Like I don't know. So I want to see more from him first. I didn't watch the I didn't watch them last year though. So like again, like honestly, this is the first year in a while that I'm actually watching every single game. So y'all gonna have to bear with me. I don't have the the uh I haven't followed any of these players in their career, except for, for UH and Michigan State. So, so maybe I might be being unfair, but to me, the well, offensive line, I, the offensive, yeah, you can tell. You see, you said he's balled out last year too, so I'm gonna take your word for it. Yeah, offensive well, line. Well, well, also, also, it's like they have other running backs that don't look like he does. When okay, he's on the field. Okay, the offensive line to me though is probably the biggest plus of that offense. That's the that's oh, the, of course that's the that's what the because to me it's like I and and to your credit about you saying that the other running backs don't look like ETN. Like, um, Trevor Lawrence is the second best rusher on that team, from what I saw. On, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, like it, it wasn't even close. It was like ETN, then it was like Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence was doing what he wanted on the ground too when he when he wanted to. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even realize he could run like that. So yes, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it's like if, if if you remember when he threw that really bad pick, he also made the tackle to prevent the touchdown. True, <laughs> he ran down a corner. <laughs> to, to prevent a touchdown, but like, like if, if he wanted to, he could be. They could use him as a dual threat quarterback. He's that type of athlete. They could. Now the reason why they won't because the receivers on block. Outside of Higgins, the, those receivers on block. 
Like, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, like, and matter of fact, the offense, if not, if the offensive line wasn't getting to the second and third level, like, I'm not sure what they'd be doing on offense because the, the run, the, like, the receivers literally do not block. Like, I've, I, it's not like they try to block and they, like, miss some block. Like, they do not block. They're like, they, they, it's not part of the offense it, for not, them to block. <laughs> the only person that blocks is Higgins. It's number five. I don't know his first name. This, I just seen the, T. Higgins. The, yes. That's it. It's the only dude that blocks. And he's also like, I think he's the best. Is he the best receiver on the team? He's, 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 he's not the most talented receiver. Justin Ross is the most talented receiver, mm-hmm. but he is currently the best receiver, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, because he blocks. You know what I'm saying? He, 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 he blocks. Get, he, runs, he, runs, he runs the best routes. And he has great hands. And that's going to yeah, get him to the not, league. That's going to get him to the league. I'll tell you what. That boy Justin Ross is a freak. Well, I, heard, I, well, I, know, I know that. I know that. I, I heard the name. So I, I know that. You know what I'm saying? But Higgins going to get to the league just, just off of that. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's, he's going to be a first-round draft mm-hmm. pick. Absolutely. No no question. He's going to be going after this year. He's, he's a junior. He'll be going after this year. So then briefly, let's let, we got to talk about that Clemson front seven, too. Because, because what? Yeah, they had they had to replace their entire defensive line. <laughs> you you would not know it though, based on what yo, they did most of the game. Because I mean, they just had they just had like five people in the box. They would just play with five in the box, and like they would they would always have like one less player in the box than what was like on like the line of scrimmage, like in like within like the offensive box. And it was just like they were getting pressure with like one less dude on the line than what the offense had. I'm like, okay, when you do that, you can just drop everybody else in coverage. Or you can't throw on mm-hmm. them boys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's not even fair. Like, they'll get penetration with three down linemen. Like, how do you do that? How do you do and that? Then, <laughs> and like I said, like, every single one of their, they, they're they replacing their entire starting defensive that's line. That's crazy, man. Everybody I, else, everybody that was a starter on the defensive line last year is in the NFL now. That's ridiculous. And at least three of them went in the first round. That is ridiculous. Okay. They had a better defensive line in Alabama last year. And that's really saying something. Because Alabama had a call that lot, too. They did. Okay. And Clemson's was like head and shoulders. Like, literally, they had three guys go in their first round. All four of them got drafted, I think, on day one. Man. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was crazy. So, basically, Dabble, it's just... Quiet as it's kept, Dabo Sweeney has been recruiting better than Nick Saban. And the class that he has coming in for 2020 is, is disgusting. They have six five-stars committed already. You know, honestly, unless your name is Clemson or Alabama fam, you should just your expectations should just be like, let's win the conference. Uh, let's win the conference unless you're in the ACC or SEC. Let's win the conference and let's get to a great bowl game and let's win that bowl game. That's, that's what I am as a Houston fan, as a Michigan State fan. That's what I'm looking for. Win the well, conference. Well, Michigan State, if they win the conference, they'll go to the they'll probably go to the playoff. But as UH, win the conference. Make it to New York Six, New York Six, and crush whatever Power Five team is there. That's 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 what I want. Well, there's there there are teams that that can compete with those two. Like Georgia, they get almost as good offensive lines. They get as good defensive lines. Uh, truth be told, and then Georgia gets better running backs than anybody. Like I showed you the t- <laughs> the guy Zachary Evans that's supposed to go to Georgia. I've never seen somebody look so nonchalant. On a football field, in the midst uh, no. of people who are trying to tackle him, um, Leonard Fournette. And- now Leonard Fournette looked like he wanted to run people over. Zach <laughs> Evans is just like you niggas are not good enough to touch me. 
<laughs> like, what well, are you, to, what are you well, doing? Well, to me, I, I guess what I, what I meant by Leonard Fournette was like, Leonard Fournette had all like the, the, the jukes, the, the shiftiness, but he was just like, eh, I'm too good for that. Like, I'm so much better than y'all, I don't need to do any of that. You know, that type like, of Zachary thing. Like, Zachary Evans would just like wait for you to like be level with him <laughs> and then like just sort of stop and you'll run past him and he'll sort of change direction. I saw him it's run like, sideways. I yeah, saw him run sideways. He ran sideways <laughs> just as fast as he was running forward. Like I, one person I've ever seen do that is OJ Simpson. Yes. <gasps> Zachary Evans is OJ Simpson. Hopefully he doesn't kill anybody. Yes, hopefully. Next game. Keep our fingers crossed on that. Alabama yes. Duke. Okay. So I watched this game with you. Not at the same time, but like <laughs> not in like not in person, but like we were texting each other watching this game. And you made some interesting points about Duke's front seven, which they held strong at the beginning of the game. Eventually, Alabama's—they're too big. Two was too nice. Yeah, they—they—they they, they just sort of overwhelm you. Basically, like to me, it's like Alabama cannot beat any team's litmus test. Like unless you like the teams you mentioned, like Georgia, Clemson. It's like if you're Duke, like you're gonna lose that game just because at the end of the day, like Bama, not only is that that starting front seven gonna be as NFL caliber, they're too deep as NFL caliber as well. You just don't have the depth of talent that they do. That's just so flat out, right. you're probably not going to win. But what I saw was, like, Duke is going to cause some problems in the ACC, though. Like, that's not a bad team at all by any measure. I think Duke is actually a pretty good team. I just think Alabama is just, like, just better than, like, 99% of the teams in college football right now. So mm-hmm. that so that's, that, that's my whole thing. That's what I saw. I would agree with that. Um... And then one thing that that they did uh, that I thought was interesting was they changed up their offensive scheme for like each the f- time over the first three. Well, for like, like the first like few, every, for the first few drives they did, then they stopped. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, basically every drive they had in the first half, they changed their scheme, right? So they were they came out in like in like, in like their traditional sort of modern NFL spread, and they mm-hmm. went to like like a like like an option offense. Then they were in like like a, like a traditional pro style. They were doing all kinds of stuff just to confuse Alabama's defense. I think what they were hoping for is to get a touchdown on one or two of those early drives, make Alabama start thinking about it, and then be able to sort of settle in. Unfortunately for them, they couldn't score a touchdown. It's like kind of kind kind of ruined the plan there. Mm-hmm. But it was considering the the disadvantage they had in terms of talent. I thought it was it was the best thing they could have done, mm-hmm. but it, it it just didn't work out. I think they shouldn't have moved away from it so fast. Like I thought they should have kept doing more triple options because that because they were actually moving the ball on that. I know obviously Alabama made some halftime adjustments, but to me, Dukes should have kept just trying to just switch up formations, just do random stuff, and just keep them guessing. Like that's to me that was the best chance they had was to just keep Bama guessing. You know, because cause then, because like you're saying, like, if they have to think about it, then like as soon as soon as on defense, as soon as you start having to think, you're not using your instincts. The offense is winning. As yeah. soon as you have to start thinking, because defense is all reactive, it's all reactionary. So as soon as you have to start thinking, the the offense has you on the on on your heels. You know, um, and then Duke's secondary had to go up against like doesn't Alabama have like four star receivers? Well, they have like yes. four. Yeah, Alabama yeah. has arguably the, has arguably the greatest uh, wide receiver court in college football history. That's yeah, it, it, it's not fair. Like my like I said before, it's, this is not a litmus test for Duke. 
this is not a litmus test for Duke. Like, I, my whole thing is I don't even know how good Duke's secondary is because, like, nobody's going to look good against that secondary. Nobody. No, ex- except, I mean, Clemson maybe. I don't I, – See, I, but Clemson they're last untested year, too. La, la, Clemson's secondary last year was incredible, right? And you saw mm-hmm. it against Alabama. They picked off Tua twice. Mm-hmm. They, they were able to confuse him in a way that only one other team could, um, which was Georgia. Um but I, I mean, I don't know what they look, what they're gonna do this year. That it's, it's a complete new season. It's new players, mm-hmm. all that. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I thought Duke acquitted themselves well given the circumstances. But I mean, look, <laughs> unless you're at Clemson or Alabama, or maybe Ohio State, most years it's tough to stay with. Um, I said Alabama, Georgia. Unless you're Clemson, Georgia, or Ohio State, most years it's tough to stay with Alabama. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, because they're just they're, like I said, they just have so much talent they overwhelm you. So unless you also have over, overwhelming talent, it's tough to stay with them. It really is. Unless you're like, 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 like coached by Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze somehow had like <laughs> had like the antidote for whatever uh, Alabama was trying to do. Like, because Hugh Freeze beat Alabama, I think three times <laughs> during his that, time at Ole Miss. Damn, still don't know how he did that. <laughs> So, so if not for the what, what was it, prostitutes? The prostitutes. Yeah, if not, yeah. he, he, he'd, he'd still, still be, be he'd yeah. still be beating Alabama <laughs> at Ole Miss. It's like I'd be lot like even the even the games that he lost, I'd be like, yo, Ole Miss might do this shit. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it was, but Hugh Freeze had Nick Saban's number in a way that only Dabo Sweeney has had in Nick Saban's time at Ohio at uh, Alabama. So I did not watch the Georgia Vandy games or the Oregon Auburn game. I didn't have a chance to watch it. So I'll let you discuss what you saw in those two games. So I didn't watch the Georgia Vandy game because Vandy sucks and True. Georgia just does what they want uh, on the ground. So and they were and I was right. Georgia <laughs> won thirty to seven. Who's the who's the um, star running backs? Uh, the the S in parentheses parentheses. Or who who was that on Georgia this year? So, so the their main guy DeAndre Swift, uh, that that guy's gonna be a, a first round draft pick at running back after this year. Yo, why do, a real why deal. do running backs always have like cold running back names? Like, like the yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and then and then, and then the backup's name is Zamir White. Man, look, though, <laughs> Dems is some running back names. All right, yeah, Dems and is, they're both nice. Look, man, I'm just saying. Thing I found out. Thing I found out about Zamir White. So Zamir White was like the number nine player in the country coming out of high school two years ago, and he tore his ACL his senior year of high school, and then last year as a true freshman before the season started, he tore his other ACL. So he's been trying to get back, and he had a he he had five carries for 51 yards against uh, Vanderbilt. So he showed like I'm back like for real for real. So mm. um, if like. Elijah Holyfield, that's Evander Holyfield. He's playing real deal Holyfield, former heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, his son. Uh, dude, he was pretty good, but he was slow as shit. Zamir White is quick, fast, all of that. Everything you want to run back, that's Zamir White. So between him and DeAndre Swift, if Zamir White can stay healthy, you're going to have another extremely potent running attack for Georgia, which is going to give Alabama problems in the SEC championship game. So look, at, look forward to that. Oregon-Auburn. So... This is a game Oregon should have won going away. Auburn starting a true freshman quarterback. He was struggling early. Oregon was moving the ball the way they wanted to. Quick strike on offense. And Justin Herbert was hitting receivers downfield in the first half with ease. And they had opportunities to go up like 20. It really should have been up 28-0 going into the half. And instead, I think it was 14-6 to at the half. 
And I remember just watching like, y'all got to put these niggas away. Because I remember there was a play, Oregon had a huge punt return. And they took it down to like the five. And I'm thinking, all right, if they score here, make it 21-6, ball game. Right? The scoreboard does not say that's ball game. But like the way the offense had been rolling for Oregon and Auburn had not gotten anything going on offense, I was like, that might be the game. Right? So the next play after that huge punt return, Justin Herbert fumbles the ball. Not only does he fumble the ball. But Auburn takes it down, like almost returns it for a touchdown. Mm. And then I think they end up getting a field goal out of it. So what should have been a uh, 21 to 6 game ended up being like 14 to 9. And now now Auburn's in the game and they're feeling good about themselves. Like, we're still in it despite playing poorly. And um, no, excuse me, it's 14 13. And they just couldn't, they just couldn't put it away. So, um, I don't think, yeah, Oregon, Oregon didn't score another point the rest of the game. They couldn't get they couldn't get back on track in the second half, and that can happen in like in the first game of the season. Why you gotta score as many points as you can while your while your offense is hot, so that if you go cold, now you can hang on. Florida as State. opposed to <coughs> yes, oh my god, that was so annoying. I'm not yeah, even a Florida State fan. Well, yeah, like, like, like I I, I want to see Willie Tiger do well because he's a black coach, but like. Nick, you but can't get up thirty-one to thirteen and think you got enough points. Like this is not nineteen eighty-three. And I mean, that's thirty-one that's, that's points, and not enough points. That's a theme for like for college football for the past few years, especially. I, I feel like it's just teams not scoring enough points, like being up and like only scoring like thirty-four points, thinking that that's enough in today's college football. Like, no, man, you got to be up by at least four or five scores. Like, no yeah. exaggeration, you got to be up by at least four or five scores. After like midway through the third quarter, not at halftime, because after halftime there's always that 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 second wind that the that the team that's down catches. You know what I'm saying? So you got to midway through the third quarter, if you're up by like four scores, then you can start taking your foot off the gas a little bit. All right, because then the other team's probably has given up by then. My thing is, and it's something I stress to people all the time. I say this to anybody that I listen: you keep scoring until the other team quits. Exactly. So like so like that point total changes by the team, right? So if you're if you're Florida State playing against Florida A and M, that number might be thirty five, right? You get a thirty five nothing. They're like, well, we didn't, we weren't gonna win this shit anyway, right? Now all of a sudden like they quit, games over. Against a team like Boise State though, who has beaten a number of Power Five teams over the last decade plus, you gotta score a lot of points before they're like, no, we can't win anymore. So, like, if you're playing against a team that has had success against Power 5 teams mm-hmm. in the past, it takes more to put them away than it would when you play, like, like HBCU or, like, like, a team like Tulane or something. And we'll touch on that next segment. The game that I was watching the most, well, I guess... The most intently. The game I was watching is the <laughs> second most intently because I, I, I didn't think we would win it, but I, was, I, was, I hoped that we might. That's same. Uh, the game I, That's the, same. The, the, game I, the game I watched most intently was Michigan State Tulsa, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the game that I, that I watched with the most at stake because I went to school there was uh, UH versus Oklahoma. So if you recall, back in 2016, when uh, Tom Herman, who was currently the coach at the University of Texas, was our head coach, we hosted unofficially. It was technically a neutral site game, but it was, it was in the city. <laughs> We hosted the University of Oklahoma at NRG Stadium. Sold out game. I'm saying yours truly was there. Chai was there. And it was actually mostly UH fans in the stadium. I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. We, 
we even had a Nebraska fan with us that day. And uh, you know, it's funny. I remember Oklahoma fans, they like walk through our, well, from my perspective, they, <laughs> they walk through our tailgate very arrogantly. And I was like, y'all going to pay for that. And they did. We should we, we, we should have beat them niggas forty to sixteen, bro. That shit would have been lit. But I don't know what Greg was thinking about on that on that play at the one. He decided he was gonna pull it from uh Duke Catalan, who had was about to walk in for a touchdown. That's neither here nor there. So we beat them in twenty sixteen. And I'm thinking, you know, hey, we beat them three years ago, might as well beat them again, right? And you know what? We had chances. We did to, we did to make it to make it uh too close for comfort. So our defense did not show up at all, which nah, was not surprising. They did not, and and I and I saw flashes. I saw flashes. We, we, like, we did some good things. Yeah, yeah, I saw. It wasn't like last year where it was just completely abysmal. Can't tackle. Can't uh, guard anybody. Like it was like I saw flashes. I saw I saw moments where it was like okay, the the secondary has everybody covered up. Let's get this coverage sack. But then like Jalen Hurts does Jalen Hurts things. I'm like ah damn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's <laughs> very like, good. He's very good. <laughs> very good. He bought out. He bought out that game too. Um, I yeah. saw then the, then the, then there was the plays where it was just blunders, like like a cornerback um not realizing that we're playing man now and so thinking he and had then, safety then, help. Like, and... like, like <laughs> passing passing the wide receiver to a safety who was covering a tight end. Like honestly, something something that the corner should have been able to see from his peripheral vision. <laughs> If he knew, like, if, if he had just known, you know, this is man, or even matter of fact, even if it wasn't man, as soon as you look. see the tight, no, as soon as you see the tight end uh, coming where where the safety needs to come down and guard him, you have to stay with your man because it's mixed. You, like you can't. There's no way that y'all are gonna switch on it. Like right. the way with the route that he ran, I think he ran like just a go route, right? Unless it was a post. Yep. I think he ran a go route. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you should have mm-hmm. stayed with him. Um, but I'm pretty sure that everybody, everybody else was running was playing man though. So he was just the only person Except playing him. zone. Only person playing zone. He, he, was, he was wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, he was very, very wrong. <laughs> Had Jalen Hurts looking like he was like like Jalen Hurts is a much better passer than he was last year, but he's not. He, he's not Baker Mayfield yeah, or Kyler Murray. Yeah, or like we that. had him looking like like college 2.0 out here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But nah, shout out to Jalen Hurts though. He was balling though. Yeah, Jalen Hurts had like 500 yards total offense. He had like all their touchdowns. He was, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he was responsible for all their touchdowns. I think he was responsible for like all their yards too. Because well, for, well except, like, except for, for that well, one, except for that one at the end when they yeah. scored 49. Yeah, but but it was like, but like, yeah, honestly, looking at the run defense for UH, like we, we outside of Jalen Hurts, like the uh, running backs really weren't doing much for most of the game. Like we kind of yeah. had that bottled up. But it was just like, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, like Oklahoma's number four team in the nation and UH is shaking off that seventy to fourteen loss to Army in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. which which I forgot about until I just like looked at the like the previous five for UH. I'm like, damn, we love we did do that, didn't we? <laughs> we really did. It was bad. It so was then, so bad. To switch to switch fields, to switch sides, uh UH's offense struggled early, started turning it up a little bit too late. You know, the Eric King didn't have a great game, but he showed some of his talents. Uh, he started. Uh, you said that he kind of looked like he was nursing his injury still. Nah, he looked he looked tentative. Not that he, uh. not that he was still injured, but he looked like he wasn't. Well, I think it was a combination of things. So I think he wasn't sure of when to just take off in the offense, mm-hmm. and also I think Dana, our coach Dana Holgerson, also had the reins on him a little bit, trying to like keep him in the pocket. And also, like, trying to, like, he was more deliberate with the play calling in the first half. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the second half, we started to speed it up a little bit. 
and um and we're more successful when when Jerry was able to just get to the get to the line and just go. And I also saw um, like I feel like in the second half, like Derek sort of took more control of the offense, whereas before it was like it felt like the coach had that guiding hand. Second half was yeah. more like, nah, this is my team. This is my offense. Let me do my thing within the framework of, my, of the offense. Let me do my thing. And we we kind of, we kind of saw it a little bit. Like we I I I I, I, least I, I think I saw it. I saw the passing start to get better. I saw I saw the Eric passing. I didn't see somebody who was thinking too much. I felt like he was overthinking in the first half. Yeah, I agree with that. And then um, I think just like it was just like what happens with any new coaching staff, you know, you have to figure out who is the real deal in game time and who's like a practice All-American, right? So yeah. back back when Lloyd Carr was the head coach of Michigan, he would talk about how sometimes you have to figure out who's the real deal and who's the State Street All-American, right? So State Street is is where is where the practice facility is for University of Michigan, and then the the big house is on Main Street. So it's like who's like who can do it on State Street, but who can also do it on Main Street? So you have to figure that out as a head coach. Because some players look amazing in practice, and they get in the game, they can't do it. Like Grant Stewart, number three, or uh, I guess he's playing linebacker. Man, that guy was that guy was. He was trying very hard. It's all right? the effort that was, that in the was world, clear. man. But he he just he just couldn't get it done on the field, man. Nah, he I, I think he's just not athletic enough, like to play yeah. that. I just think he's not athletic enough to play, because like he's it, not it, reading the, he's not reading the field well enough to nah, overcome that either. Exactly, it's like that, and that was a saying because he he was he the effort he gave was just like the best effort on the field out of any out of both teams, honestly, just best. Well, outside of what was it number nine for Oklahoma on the defense or. Was it, Ooh, that that linebacker who was kind of just uh, number seven. Number seven, Keith Murray, I think his name. Only good person on that uh, defense. And as soon as we started doing misdirection, he was like useless for them. You know, Oklahoma. Also, was like it took too long for us to notice that they did not have any depth whatsoever. Yes. So like, what we need to do is like just keep them, just not sub and tire them out, and just keep running the ball. Yeah. And it took us a whole quarter to settle in and realize that's what we should be doing. Because if we could have yeah. got that touchdown that Derek missed on third and three at the end of the second quarter, which would have made it twenty-one to fourteen, that I think that would have changed the game. Because we were down twenty-one to nothing, and then all of a sudden it would have made it twenty-one fourteen. And like, despite how well they they played and how poorly we had played for most of the half, it would have been a one-touchdown game. Because yes. we got, I think we got to stop. No, we didn't get a stop at to start the second half. But like we still would have been would have been just two touchdowns. There was there was a point where we were down by eleven that we would have been down by just Seven. a touchdown. Yes. And that mm-hmm. changes things. That changes how Oklahoma plays. You know. Um one thing I have to say for Oklahoma fans who thought that the defense was better this year, it is not. Y'all should no. be concerned. Y'all should still be concerned with that defense. Y'all have one good player. And they have him just, uh, just roaming free on the defense. That's the, that's the boy. He's not actually my... running. Yeah, the all, he's yeah. not running a defense. No. So it's like, so it's like if you have, if you have, uh, like a good offensive, like a better offensive line, like the type of offensive line that we finally started to see in the second half, that like was like getting to him and blocking him. Mm-hmm. They're in trouble because like we ran the ball very. We had two hundred forty three rushing yards. Yeah. Against that defense, but that's a out. lot <laughs> for, especially for like for like a G five team. Yeah, against against what's supposed to be like all like four and five star players on that defense, we ran the ball the way, especially in the second half. We ran the ball extremely well. Which so, shout out to our offensive line 
Finally. Yeah. After that first <laughs> quarter, they were they were manhandling Oklahoma. Yes, man. We finally did. It's a lot of it's a lot of um JUCO transfers on that O line. We can't I can't like just be like, oh, this is a whole bunch of two star dudes. Like, nah, it's a it's some dudes that are like, you know, came out of high school four star, but maybe didn't have the grades for it or maybe didn't work out at the P five they were initially at and stuff. So it's some dudes like that on that O line. I gotta give I gotta give credit where credit is due. Right. Yeah, it was good to see. It was, it was very promising on yes. offense. And so um, we should we should beat the brakes off of Prairie View. Um, my apologies to the HBCUs everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Who have to endure such such things? Um, but that's life. Yeah, man. We got we got we 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 black. We 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 built for this. All right, you built for it. They they they're getting a nice check for it. It's fine. Yes, sir. Uh, what about Michigan State? So as promising as UH looked on offense, that's like the opposite for Michigan State. So there's like much made of how Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio shuffled his offensive staff, uh, moved the running backs coach um, to offensive coordinator. Excuse me, moved the quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator and made him running backs coach as well. Moved, demoted the offensive coordinators um, to quarterback coach and offensive line coach respectively. Took the offensive line coach, who was trash, um, in both coaching and evaluation and moved him to tight ends. Moved the wide receivers coach to assistant defensive backs coach. I don't know why he didn't just fire him outright, but hey, what are you going to do? And then he moved what was the effectively the freshman head coach, um, former offensive coordinator Don Treadwell, moved him to wide receivers coach. So mm. the idea was, okay, put everybody in their strongest positions like they were the first time they coached here at Michigan State, and we should have success. And they looked exactly the same as they did last year see, on I, offense. They scored, they scored, what was it, 10 points, I think, on offense? See, I disagree, though, right? Because um, what what my issue with – well, my major issue is that um, the starting the starting left tackle and I think the backup left tackle both are, are injured right now. But instead of just, like, going with the next dude up, they like they did that reshuffling of the line within like you know like the a week or so within like the first game is about to start, so everybody is out of position <laughs> on that O line, and that's where it all starts. Like just like when I mentioned how Clemson's O line is like the best part of their offense, and like that's what's running everything. Like that's probably the worst part of Michigan State's offense right now. While they have these injuries, while they have everybody reshuffled and trying to figure out their new positions. It's just like it looked terrible on the uh, from the front. I don't think it's I don't think it's um irreparable though. I think it's uh I think they can come back from that. I think they need to figure some things out up then. I think they will. Um from there, I did think the play calling was improved from last year. I do think they still need to be more aggressive, but I thought the play selection was actually good. I thought the execution was poor, and again, it starts from the O line. So that's really it. Like I think if they can either shuffle the, the O line back, or if these players that have been reshuffled can figure out their positions faster, <laughs> then maybe they'll be. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I think we just gotta wait and see. I think we. I think it's a little too early for me to make the judgment. That's basically what Dad said when I talked to him about the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's more optimistic about Michigan State offense than I am. I <laughs> they look they look the same to me. I, and here he, here's what bothers me mm-hmm. is based on what you touched on is instead of just playing the next guy up at the offensive whichever offensive line position it is, it's like you take somebody that's a starter in another position, you move them over, 
And now you mess up the the entire line instead of just the one position. Mm-hmm. I feel like okay, you're missing your left tackle, you're starting left tackle, and the backups are too. Just play whoever's third string there, and then slide over the tight end to give him some help. What I would have done actually, I probably would have moved the right tackle to left tackle, and then put the third string left tackle, or the sec- or the either backup right tackle at right, or the third string left tackle at right tackle, and then still had the the tight end like you said. Just because third string, you don't know what you're getting, but at least if you have the starting right tackle, he's like he, he's not a left tackle, but he's still a starting tackle. You know, and he has that tight end help. I think that's what I would have done. But you know, here's what I, here's what I know. You just you can't be mixing and matching. <laughs> you can't and like taking though. players like like, like 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 this, this whole cross training <laughs> thing on the offensive line is bullshit. And it's he like, can. and I don't understand why he, why Mark D'Antonio allows that on the offense when he doesn't allow that on the defense. They don't take uh, fucking safeties and put them at corner when a corner is hurt. No, they play the the next guy at corner. You know what's interesting? Because if you, because if you move somebody over, it messes up the whole defensive system. Why it doesn't mm-hmm. dawn on him that that might be the same, that might be the case on offense as well, is actually really concerning. It is concerning. So do you think that? Um, Mark D'Antonio defers too much to his offensive coaches or he doesn't defer enough based off of what you said that he, that he does on the defense. So he knows defense. Mm-hmm. So you can't, bull, you can't bullshit him on defense. Yes. And like Michigan State is effectively running his defense. He does, it's very clear that he does not know offense. So, But, but at the same time, he meddles in the offense. Mm-hmm. So um, when Dan Ruchar was the head coach, they had uh, a guy named Andrew Maxwell, uh, not the head coach, excuse me, the offensive coordinator. They had a guy named uh, um, Andrew Maxwell as a starting quarterback. It was in 2012. And they were trash uh, on offense, largely because Andrew Maxwell was trash, right? So Dan Ruchar goes to Martin Antonio and says, I want to play um, Connor Cook at quarterback. And Martin Antonio tells him, no. He said, no, Andrew Maxwell's a starter. You have to play him. So, Dan Ruchard, I mean, he was not the perfect offensive coordinator, but there were all kinds of plays that he drew up that would have been successful had they had a better quarterback in, had they had Connor Cook in the game instead. Connor Cook, who was arguably the greatest Michigan State quarterback of all time. Um, so, Dan Ruchard moves on after two mediocre seasons as offensive coordinator. They, they moved Dave Warner from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. And they start slow, but then 2013, they pick up steam as the season goes on. They end up they end the season with what is a pretty good offense, a sensational defense. They win the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State the Big Ten championship game. And they go on and win the Rose Bowl. And then the next year in 2014, they have the best offense in school history. They average over 40 points a game. They lose a really frustrating game to Ohio State, but they make it to the Cotton Bowl, and they beat Baylor in the Cotton Bowl. And then the next year after that, they win the Big Ten again, and they go to the college football playoff, where yours truly and and our father was there to watch them get shut out by Alabama. Yeah. But they made it, and that was like that was like the the best three year stretch of Martin Antonio's career, going thirty six and five, uh, won two New Year's Six bowls, what's effectively two New Year's Six bowls, and then got to the college football playoff. And ever since then, they've just been a dumpster fire on offense. So I would say. I think uh, they got really lucky 
Because, like, they had what was probably the best offensive lineup they've had during his time there since his first year when they were playing guys that have been recruited by Jeff Stoutland, who is now an NFL offensive line coach. Mm. So he recruited those guys. He developed them. And they looked great that first year. And every year that they get further away from Jeff Stoutland, and that was 2007, every year they get further away from the players that Jeff Stoutland recruited and developed, the worse they look on the offensive line. I think um, uh, Staten, what's his first name? Jeff or something like that? Staten, the offensive, the former offensive line coach from Michigan State, I think he sold Mark D'Antonio a bill of goods. And he's shown that he cannot develop or coach good offensive lines. If not for Jack Conklin basically begging them to give him uh, a chance to play offensive line in Michigan State, because they gray-shirted him. Mm. He had to pay his own way at first. Wow. And then the event, they eventually were like, oh, wait, you're really good at offensive line. Yeah, you're starting offense, or starting left tackle. If not for that, is there anybody you could point to as a tackle that you could be like, wow, Michigan State identified this person? They didn't, they didn't even identify the best guy they've ever had during their time at Michigan State. That guy Man. literally like kicked down the door to be able to play for Michigan State. So that's been a huge weakness that Martin Antonio has been unwilling or unable to fix. And that's and for some uh, for a guy who likes to run as much as they do, that's uh, <laughs> that is something that needs to be fixed. That's something that that's actually something that's very surprising to me, you know, to hear yeah. that. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I do want to touch on Tulsa real fast though, just because they're in the AC, they're in the AAC American Conference, so UH yes. will be facing them. That's one reason why I was excited about this game. I, I'm guessing that's probably why you were paying attention closest to this game. Um. I'll say like uh, Tulsa. Tulsa is probably better than I thought they would be, um, or they're going to be better than I thought they would be to start the season. Like I mean, uh, their quarterback is not bad, and the defense just be they they, they do not stop. <laughs> they they do not stop. I don't like they just they have a motor, and the motor does not stop until the fourth quarter says zero zero. That that's something that uh, everybody in the American Conference uh, needs to watch out for. Uh, they're an underrated team. They're going to be underdogs in most of the games they play this year, but they're going to win some games that they're quote-unquote not supposed to win uh, because teams are not going to take them seriously and they're going to get punched in the mouth. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, I'm saying that right now. See, I, I don't agree right with that. I, I don't agree with that. So I know that I know they looked pretty good on defense against Michigan State, but that's because Michigan State's offense is trash. Man, look. Right? Like, Tulsa's supposed to be People would point out to me, oh, Tulsa stayed close with Texas. Well, Texas <laughs> coached by Tom Herman. <laughs> right? True. We remember when he was at UH, they would always <laughs> drop a game that they that they shouldn't during the two years that he was here. That's he would true, never take though. he would never take bad teams seriously. That's true though. That's true though. And we'd all and we'd always be way too close for comfort against them. That's what it was. It wasn't because Tulsa's somehow good. No, Tulsa is ass. And when 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 they play teams that actually play offense, they want like you guys are gonna score sixty on Tulsa. And I don't want to hear shit about well they look good against Michigan State. Michigan State is trash on offense. Trash. I'm sick and tired of fucking seeing Michigan State be so trash on offense. People make excuses. <laughs> oh well, it's a new system. Other people can can bring in entirely new coach, not just a new offensive coordinator, an entirely new coaching staff. And score 40 points a game year one. Michigan State has had the same coaches for like 15 years. They can only score over 30 points a game like three times. No, I don't want to hear it. They're trash. 
And until they 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 completely swap out the entire offensive staff, they're gonna continue to be trash. I wasn't even. Talking, and that's that on that. I wasn't even talking about MSU. I was talking about Tulsa. I'm saying Tulsa looked good on defense because Michigan State's offense is trash. Tulsa, Tulsa was number 119 ranked rush defense in college football last year, but they held Michigan State to 67 yards rushing. That's not because Tulsa's good. It's because Michigan State sucks. Look, I don't. Well, we're saying Tulsa's I don't, trash. I don't, I don't think and y'all gonna see they trash when they play against teams in the American that have offenses. I don't think Western Michigan is gonna do that to Michigan State though. I bet you they do. I don't. Nah, Nick, bro, you being disrespectful. They're I not bet going, you they do. But Western I bet Michigan, you. I bet you. Western, I bet you they don't break hundred yards rushing against Western Michigan. It's not finna hold no damn Michigan State. Which Michigan State? Because here's the thing about the teams and the Michigan teams. Whether it's Michigan or Michigan State. When they play any team that's not Central, because Central Michigan be having some squads sometimes. But when they play Eastern Michigan, when they play Western Michigan, when they play the directional Michigans, okay, the directional Michigans, get, they, get, they, they tend to get smacked. Except for, like I said, except for Central Michigan. Because sometimes the last they, they time Michigan State played Western, like, there was like, it was a struggle going to the was it quarter. Was it the opening game, though? Or was it? Yeah. Or was it? Nah, that's what I'm saying. Because opening game, you know Michigan State is going to struggle the opening game. This is say, this game two. Michigan State is not going, what's it called, had no... Uh, that was in the playoff year that that happened. Look, Michigan State is not going, they, what's it called? They're uh, not going to break 100 yards rushing. You said how much? 100. You said not going to break 100 yards rushing. West they, is going to hold them under 100 yards no rushing. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. I don't, and I, I don't want to hear a word about, well, let's wait and see. That that offense is trash. They're not gonna hold him to no hundred yards. And and and, it, and it's Mark Antonio's fault, hundred percent. How you can be that good on defense and be that trash on offense is an indictment against you as a, as a head coach. It is though, cause uh, cause that defense is cold. That defense. That defense pretty, is amazing. That defense is cold. All you and all you need <laughs> is an average offense. You score thirty points a game, you'd never lose. That, that defense is cold, though. These niggas averaged eighteen <laughs> points a game on offense last year. Eighteen. <laughs> they couldn't even get an end zone three times a game. How do you let that happen? And then you don't fire nobody. <laughs> Sorry, getting upset. Getting upset. We wanted something else. So during uh. College football weekend, week one. Mark Ennis on Twitter had posed a question, or I, I guess it was a poll. Whose rep has fallen harder, uh, Rich Rodriguez or Chip Kelly? So what was that's, your pick? That's a tough one. So Rich Rodriguez basically invented the zone read offense. It was a read option offense, right? Yes. The yes. zone read is different from read option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chip Kelly came into he – was, he, was, he was the offensive coordinator at New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire. And then he was OC at Oregon, then became the head coach. And they basically didn't lose a game for like five years, um, including getting to a national championship game, losing to Cam Newton and Auburn. Um, and it looked, and then he goes to the Eagles. He's 10 and six that first year, looking mm-hmm. like, wow, this guy's a real deal. And then just ever since then, he's just been, he just stalled out. I mean, whereas Rich I mean, Rodriguez, he so he gets fired at Michigan <laughs> after being sabotaged there. But before yeah. that, he was like a world beater at West Virginia. He did things. He did things at West Virginia that didn't seem possible, honestly, um, and like sustained it over five years. Um, so yeah, like I said, he got fired in Michigan after being sabotaged. Goes to Arizona, gets to a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, the the equivalent of a New Year's Six Bowl. They lose to Boise State, but they got to a New Year's Six Bowl. 
They want some big games. They beat USC a couple times. They beat Oregon. Like they want some huge games at, at Arizona. And then um, I know the recruiting fell off a little bit, and uh, he had uh, uh, like some instances of um, sexual harassment uh, within the football offices. In in addition to having some subpar seasons, because uh, the 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 thing about him having poor defenses reared its head again at Arizona, just like just like his issue was at Michigan. He had the same issue at Arizona once his defensive coordinator retired. So but so out of those two things, I think he he, you know, the 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 honeymoon was over, so to speak. So he got fired from Arizona as well. So now he's the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss and they walk into like a tough situation. They don't have a great quarterback, which is what you need for him to come in and not, you know, be trashed that first year. Because I don't know what it is like his his offensive system is great, but he's more engineer than teacher. Mm-hmm. So like he's like he has a system. He's like, look, it's easy. Why don't you understand it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like whereas you look at somebody like Kendall Bryles, he came into UH last year, year one. We averaged forty three points a game. We we're like top five scoring offense his first year. Whereas Rich Rodriguez, once he installs the offense and people get it, then it's basically like 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 a motorcycle made of knives, right? You can't stop it. But that time that it takes for him to install the offense, it can look really ugly. Like you look at his first year yeah. at West Virginia, they went three and eight. Look at his first year Michigan. at Michigan, they went three and nine. Yeah, it, it, and it's like Michigan, they look so they bad just, on offense. That just let his ass get five years instead of three. You know what I'm saying? Like respectful, like a respectable thing. You know what I'm saying? He, he especially, when, especially when he was showing improvement. Yeah, so, so he I was think, showing improvement, so, so this, and he was about so, so, and he, he's about to have South Florida on lock and recruiting. Mm-hmm. Shoot. So to answer your question about which one of their uh, reputations has fallen more, I think you sort of know what you get with, with Rich Rodriguez. It takes a little bit to install, but once it's installed, it's basically unstoppable. Whereas Chip Kelly, you would have thought – now UCLA was not going to be like, you know, Pac- Pac-12 champions year one, but you would have thought they looked better than they did. So you would have thought the 49ers would have looked better than they did that one year he was there. As a year two for UCLA, they still look really bad. Like, at the very least, they should be able to, you know, have shootouts with people because they're scoring so much on offense. You don't see any of that. And it, you haven't seen any of that since his first year with the Eagles. So, I think it has to be Chip Kelly. What do you think? I I would say, to me, I guess it was, um, I'd say Rich Rodriguez because nobody even talks about him anymore, really. That, that was the first time I heard Rich like And that poll was the first time I heard Rich Rod's name. In a while, and as a dude, like you said, invented the uh, the read option. Like that's that everybody used the read option. Like yeah. he, like if you, if you Google read option, he's like on the Wikipedia. He's credited with the as the inventor of the read option. Nobody talks about him. Like to me, it's like that's that's crazy to me. That that to me, like it, you would you would think he'd still be like he'd be in like some type of Hall of Fame or some type of something, you know? And it's just like nah, <laughs> he's just a dude. That was he, he who maybe should have never left West Virginia. Maybe shouldn't have left West Virginia when he did, you know, because because and, and I I think it was it was the Michigan job that did it. Mm-hmm. It was the Michigan Cause job because he, he he turned down Alabama 
to stay at West Virginia. You see, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he should have gone. He, he, yeah, he, he, uh, that was actually a smart move for him because, because again, the way, the way, like you were saying, the way how long it takes for him to install his offense and all that stuff, it's like they're not gonna wait for you like that at Alabama because they don't need to. But they probably should have waited for that at Michigan because you saw how bad Brady Hoke was. Like did y'all mm-hmm. like like that? That's my big thing. It's like so you fired Rich Rodriguez to hire Brady Hoke. Like if they would have replaced him with Jim Harbaugh, that would have made sense. See if they replaced him with Les Miles, that I that wouldn't I sense. wouldn't even have been mad at it. But it's like you replace him with Brady Hoke, and then Brady Hoke goes wins eleven games that year with Rich Rod's players. Which Rich yeah, Rod, would, first- whoever was coaching that team, was going to win at least ten games that year. It didn't matter. That team was loaded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They actually probably under. They probably should have been like like national championship. Should have gone undefeated that yeah. year. Yeah, should have been national championship like caliber. That was national championship caliber talent on that team that all went undeveloped, underdeveloped because of Brady Hoke. Like that. Look, we gonna get. This is back when I was still a Michigan fan. So y'all gonna get me in my feelings the way Obi was in his feelings about Michigan State earlier. So I ain't gonna I ain't gonna go down that road. But yeah, to me maybe I'm a little biased about that because to me it was just like. That's whose reputation had fallen hardest. To me, it's like Chip Kelly. I feel like it was already signs of of him being sort of that a hole, like my way or the highway coach. Even before he started trading all those dudes on the Eagles away for no reason other than he didn't <laughs> like them. How, how you going? How you trade away Jeremy Macklin? You, you did they did they cut Deshaun Jackson? They didn't, they didn't even trade him. They cut him right. Yeah. They cut Deshaun Jackson. They traded away LaShawn McCoy. And I don't even know what hell, I don't even know how Jason Devon ended up on like what, what was it like the 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 Chiefs or the Bucks or wherever, wherever he ended up. He just just disappeared from that team. All right. I, I they just they just gave away everybody. You know what I'm saying? And then he wondered why they were they were terrible. All right. Anyway, like to me there were signs of him being that kind of coach like before he left uh, Oregon. You know, it's just like it's it, to me, it's like it's not his fault that the NFL fell, fell for it. The same way they about to fall for uh, the dude that just left Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, they 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 love they love seeing that they always fall for that. I don't know. So to me, it's just like you you probably could have predicted that. I don't think you could have predicted what happened to Rich Rod, and that's why to me that's probably whose reputation for it felt harder because it, it was unexpected. At least Chip was successful in college. <laughs> True. <laughs> like like I, I don't I don't think uh I don't think Cliff Kingsbury had a winning season at Texas Tech. And yet like like Chip Kelly was incredibly successful at Oregon. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't couldn't win more games than he lost in a season at Texas Tech. And yet this nigga's the head coach at at the Arizona car. Like that's stupid. They saw him beat University of Houston and they were like, Ooh, he 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 must be pretty good. He must be pretty good. See what I'm saying? That, that, that's, I, 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 see, I see that as respect. <laughs> I wish that was what it was. <laughs> Niggas just out here making mistakes. <laughs> Hashtag making mistakes. Now it's time for week two. Pick them for college football. Week two. Let's get right into it. So Michigan State versus uh, Western Michigan playing this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Prime time. I think Michigan State is going to struggle again on offense, but I think they'll win the game. That defense is just too good. 
Cool, cool. I I got a uh, Michigan State by like three scores. Uh, no, Ohio State no against uh, our American Conference rival Cincinnati. Eleven a.m. Saturday. Since since he's pretty good, Ohio State's better. I like Ohio State by uh, by three scores. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Ohio State um, probably be close early. Maybe I don't know. Since Cincinnati, those those, those good um, American Conference teams always want to play you tough early. All right, but Ohio State wins that. Um, <laughs> Michigan Army. Uh, Michigan. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, Army is pretty good. It's going to be closer than the experts think with Michigan. <laughs> Look, don't don't let that 70-14 win over UH fool y'all. Okay? It's going to be Michigan. Nah, no, Army's nice. <laughs> Army's nice Army like that nice. now? Army's nice like that? Are they, are, they, yes. are they better than Navy? The reason Army was able to put 70 up instead of just like 40-something is because they're nice. Are they better than yeah. Navy? Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll see then. Um, let's see. This is actually a game I care about. Clemson versus Texas A&M. Well, number one, Clemson versus number 12, Texas A&M, 2.30 p.m. Saturday. Uh, it's at Clemson, so I'm going to go with Clemson. I think Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is going to bounce back from that weak performance in week one. I like I like Clemson by two scores. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Probably um, Clemson's probably just didn't take Georgia Tech seriously. Probably looking ahead at A&M. Um, everybody's first game for everybody, so... Everybody settled in now, Clemson. Let's see Alabama over New Mexico State. Let's not even play around with that. Oh, let's see. Ain't ain't too many big. Okay, this is let's get into the real game. Texas LSU, six thirty p.m. Prime time, ABC on Saturday night at Texas. Who you got? I got LSU, man. They're, they're, so here, here's why I got LSU. Their defensive line is really good. I like their corners against Texas. So Texas' strength is their wide receivers. I like LSU's defensive secondary to slow them down enough. And they LSU seems to have seems to have a good offense now. So if LSU has a good offense, I think everybody's in trouble, <laughs> Alabama included. So uh Ooh. I'm, I'm I'm going with LSU, well, LSU to go to go to uh, Texas and do it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna <sighs> see. As much as it pains me to say this, I'm gonna have to go with Texas, and I'll tell you why. Tom Herman loves to show up against good teams. That's it though. Probably be like a oh yeah. Game. Te- Texas has been preparing for this game gonna, since the end of last season. Yeah, it, it, it's going it's going to be a field goal game, which whichever way it goes. Yeah, I can see it. Houston versus Prairie View A and M. That that's the big game of the, of, of uh, Saturday night primetime. That's that's funny. Seven p.m. ESPN three. You already know. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you you UH by however many points they want to win by. <laughs> UH going to drop fifty in the first half probably. All right, this has been the first episode. I was about to say another episode. This has been the first episode of the Run the Play podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hope you join us again next time. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. At what is the... I made a Twitter account for the Run the Play. I mean, just follow the CS pod. Yeah, all right. <laughs> follow, us on, follow us on Twitter at the CS pod. Um, that's T-H-E-C-S-P-O-D. Um, there's a Run the Play pod, uh, podcast Twitter account. That will be up and running. As we go along, but follow us on the CS Pod for all the updates that you need 
in the meantime. In the meantime. So, Chai, Chai where can people find you at? Man, you already know. Chai is nuclear on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, new album finally out. I told y'all. Y'all thought I was lying for the past three years. I told y'all. Told y'all. Go to nuclearkite.com. Stream my new album, Mind of a Recluse, right now exclusively on nuclearkite.com. Primarily because I couldn't clear any of the samples. Uh, also check out uh, Chasing Z's uh, latest album, Channel 20. Also on nuclearkite.com. Same front page. Uh, you can also stream that on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Tidal, all them, all them things. All them jumps. All right. Uh, and got a new album he got a new album coming out in november so be prepared for that i'm working on that with him so it's gonna be a dope project obviously because it's nuclear kite you know what i'm saying it's nuclear kite all right coming for you boom so for child my name is oves this is the run the play podcast and we'll see you next time goodbye <laughs>